Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. So there'd been this noise like a violent rushing wind. The crowd had gathered to see what all the commotion was about. This 120 had burst out of the house excitedly. And then people in the crowd started to say, hang on, they're talking my language. And the book of Acts records that there were at least 15 different language groups there. And out of that came all sorts of mixed reactions, including some who just dismissed it and mocked and said, ha, they're drunk, that's what the problem is. And so then we read from Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. For you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence." Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, 
he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not to be abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David didn't ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now I don't know about you, Just put yourself in the place of Peter for a moment. Think of what he had experienced that day. They'd been meeting together in the house, Peter and 120 or so, when they have what can only be described as an awesome encounter with God's Holy Spirit. And as a result, they'd rushed out of that building and had come face to face with a large crowd. It says 3,000 were saved that day as a result of Peter preaching. So that crowd must have been a fair size. So there you are, with the crowd in front of you. And what are they saying? They're saying, what's going on? Oh, they're drunk. What would have been the first thing on your lips? Would it to be to say, you should have heard it, the wind... It was like, we saw fire. Honestly, it was hovering over our heads. Or would you have said, I don't really know what it was happened, but it felt like... When I read this passage, one of the first things I notice is that even at this early stage, when the Holy Spirit has just been poured out on the church for the first time, Peter isn't obsessed with the trappings. In fact, after giving a very brief explanation of what people were seeing by quoting one of the prophets, he begins to preach Jesus. Yeah, he 
rebuffs the comments the crowd's making. He says, these men aren't drunk. It's only nine o'clock. And he goes on to quote Joel's prophecy and apply it to what they were seeing. In effect, he was saying, that day the prophets of old were talking about, it's here, it started. Although they talked about it centuries ago, today is the day. But then his message becomes clear. He preaches Jesus. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He preached Jesus. So let's just look at the points that Peter made as he brought that to the crowd. Firstly, he points out that Jesus was accredited by the miracles he had performed. Now, for those alive at the time, this should have been convincing enough that Jesus was not just some ordinary man. In that crowd, there would have been people who had seen and heard Jesus. Because this is only 40 or 50 days after Jesus died. That's why he says... You've seen and heard him, as you yourselves know. And we have to be honest, the news about Jesus, even in those days, had spread. The Jewish historian, Josephus, wrote, Now, there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works. A teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to himself both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those who loved him at first did not forsake him. For he appeared to them alive again on the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold, these things and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. That's what a secular historian wrote. Josephus lived from about 37 to 100 AD. So he was born only three or four years after this was happening, and certainly within the lifetime of witnesses who had seen Jesus alive. So that crowd must have been aware of Jesus. They must have been aware of his teaching and his miracles. And that's where he starts off. He says, we know this man is different because it has been proved by the miracles he performed. And then he reminds them of the cross. And their part in it. And he doesn't beat around the bush. He says, this man was handed over by you. By God's set purpose and foreknowledge, but you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. He blamed it on the crowd. He said, you have a part in this. 
you condemned this man. And then he goes on to preach Christ risen. And he says, but God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses to that fact. They just spent 40 days with him. He recognised the power of the resurrection. And just notice the way he puts emphasis on this. He says, you put him to death, God raised him to life, and we are witnesses. He really nailed his colours to the mast, if you ask me. Everyone must have been clear on where Peter was coming from. He then went on and he explained how David had written some of this. He talks about some bits in Psalms. He says, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He challenged them again. You crucified him, but God has made him both Lord and Christ. Now the word here is quite interesting. There's um, a version of the Old Testament. It's called the Septuagint uh, because it was written by 70 or actually I think 72 scholars. It was a Jewish work of the Old Testament where they translated it from Hebrew into Greek. And the word that they use when they translated the Hebrew Yahweh, that four-letter tetragrammon which the Jews will never speak into the Greek they used the Greek word kurios and in this passage in verse 36 that is the word that is used for Lord so what that's saying is God Jehovah made Jesus Lord. And it's using the same word as it actually uses for God himself. And it says that he made him the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. And then you can almost imagine him pausing when you read this passage. Because we start to see people's reactions. It says they were cut to their heart and they turned to Peter and the other apostles and said, what shall we do? They'd reached that point of conviction. Now notice it says they were cut to their heart. The gospel of Christ has the power to pierce the toughest heart. It can cut through all your external facade and get to the heart of you. And that's what it did here. It cut right through all the trappings of their lives, all the religiosity and other things that are in the way, and brought conviction into their hearts. And as a result of that, they said, what shall we do? They wanted to get right with God. So then, Peter presented them with the gospel, the good news that things could still be turned round. It says in verse 38, 
Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Be baptised in the name of Jesus. Become a follower of his. And receive the Holy Spirit. Because we need that daily power in our lives. And that's what we need to be seeing today. As we proclaim the gospel of Christ, we need to see that people come to salvation, are baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says something which is absolutely amazing. And 3,000 were added that day. Now can you imagine being a group of 120 and 3,000 are added to you in one day? It'd be hard enough to get their names and addresses, wouldn't it? You know, think of the follow-up. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to arrange a baptism for 3,000? I mean, fortunately, there was a convenient river, I'm sure. They weren't as fussy about having a nice warm pool and, you know, things like that. But actually, still, the practical side of seeing 3,000 added to 120, how do you make sure it is the truth that has an impact on people's hearts? How do you effectively disciple 30 people each. It's quite a challenge, isn't it? Would you be up for it if we had that challenge? If out of delivering 800 leaflets today, we saw 80 or 90 people added, are you up for that challenge? We need to boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus. We might not see a crowd of thousands, but we can share the good news wherever we have the opportunity. And we need to preach it clearly. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2.8 For it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this isn't from yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. And that is what we need to teach. Repent and believe. Be baptised and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be bold. We need to take the opportunities God gives us. And that's what I see in this passage. If I needed to sum it up in one sentence, it's this. We must boldly preach Jesus and proclaim his good news. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. 
Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.